What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Havering Report podcast with myself, your host, Brad Mines. The price of Bitcoin is approximately 28.3 thousand US dollars, and there is one year and three weeks left until the next Bitcoin halving. Today on the show, we have Tracy Leparulo. Tracy is the CEO of Untraceable Events, which incorporates the Blockchain Futures Conference right here in Toronto. The Havering Report will be back for a second year at the Blockchain Futures Conference. So if you're going to come on out, say what's up to myself and the rest of the team. So Go to futuresconference.com and when purchasing your ticket for the Blockchain Futures Conference this August, be sure to enter having 30 to get your discounted ticket. We'll see you there. And we're so happy to have Tracy onto the show who makes it all happen. So let's get right to it. Tracy, thanks for coming on to the Having Report podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited for this. Yeah, no, it, uh, it's definitely uh, something we've been planning to do for a while. I'm finally glad we got together. You know, you're the founder and CEO of Untraceable Events. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is your fifth year doing the Blockchain Futures Conference. This will be uh, the second year. Having Report will be there. Uh, you know, how excited are you for this year's event? Oh, we're so excited and we love all your support throughout the years. You're right. It is our fifth year to do Blockchain Futures Conference up here in Toronto, Canada. Awesome. So, you know, what's what's going to be similar this year? What's going to be different? Ooh, so we're hitting 2023. It's a very different year. So we're back into the bear market. <laughs> uh, I've been doing crypto events for 10 years now. And so I've been the up and the downs. And it's always a little interesting when we're in a bear market. What we do is we find uh, the companies that come out are the ones that didn't have all the reserves in crypto. They were smart, uh, usually extremely professional uh, companies, ones that are really builders in the space. So I actually like uh, producing events during the bear market in the sense that the real projects that come out that have real business models, real revenue streams uh, that aren't just focused specifically on token price. Um, and so you start seeing some really legitimate companies, uh, you know, take surface. The conversations are going to be quite interesting this year. You know, we have a lot of speaker applications which are open, but they're going to be a lot about the recession, a lot about inflation. Um uh, a lot about this traditional capital markets and a lot about the banks, which is, you know, funny enough, because that's what we used to always be talking about back in 2013, 2014, when I was doing events. And then just kind of, you know, got forgotten about it was all get capital markets in. And we like the banks. And now we're here in the conversation, take a, a U-turn again uh, to say, put your money into crypto and banks, you know, aren't might not have all the money they say they have. <laughs> Definitely. Uh that being said, well, you know, what do you think of the you know recent bump in Bitcoin price? I think we had what 30, 35% in the past week or so. Yeah. And you know, with these banks collapsing uh all over the place, what are your thoughts around this? I think the world's in a really in North America specifically in a really confused state right now. Do we trust the banks? Do they have our money? Do we trust Bitcoin? It's like you almost don't know where to go. And I think a lot of it also has to do with stable coins. Everything that happened to USDC, you know, I was getting text messages from all OTC dealers and like anyone saying, hey, if you need to liquidate today, you know, we can give you this price. And it was like my phone exploded when that all happened, when the DPEG of USDC happened. And so because of that, uh, people had to figure out what's my safest bet. Before it used to be, let's go into stable coins. And I believe that's why the crypto market just exploded after 2020 was because of the use of stable coins. Everyone went into stable coins, kind of held their value. The second we saw what happened to USDC happen, which is interesting because everyone was, was really saying bad things about USDT for so long. So if you were watching USDT in the last six months, you saw the market value really shifted from USDT 
tether to, to USDC. And then when USDC depegged, I think it got everyone scared. Uh, and people kind of said, oh, I'd rather take my losses uh, in regular crypto than just not have my stable coins or my money in my bank. So I think that really ultimately had the jump and the bump in Bitcoins because people um, back to kind of the core value of people realizing the bank might not have their money. Certainly. At last conference, BitBoy was one of your main your main speakers there as yeah. well as Vitalik. You know, yeah. definitely two huge people that I, I love to hear speak. Uh, one thing BitBoy said was that you can't talk about Web3 without talking about Ethereum when he, at, at the last event there. What are your thoughts around Ethereum, the merge, and you know the recent update about you know being able to withdraw that stake that uh, replaced the traditional GPU mining? Totally. Um, listen, Vitalik uh, is is a very smart individual, very incredible, um, and he came and spoke last year at Blockchain Futures Conference just before the merge. We were so lucky to have him. He spoke about what was happening in the merge. You know, you could feel the nervousness in the audience of people being like, I hope this works out. I hope. And it did. Everything thing, uh, everything with Ethereum in the merge so far has worked out. There hasn't been a huge pump. There hasn't been a dub. Nothing's broken. There's been a few little things, you know, um, that took a little bit longer than expected, but we got there. What just happened this month is they actually opened up staking. So Ethereum, you were able to stake your Ethereum for the first time years ago, and they finally opened up. And that was another, you could feel the market being nervous. Is everything going to dump our people? What's going to happen here? And again, Ethereum like knocked it out of the park. Like They did it so that you can't just go and release all the tokens at once. It's periodically. And because of it, um, you know they're still the leader in the space. The number one way that you can realize Ethereum is a leader of the space and coming from an event planner is like, look at the events that they put on. So I used to, like I, the last, like if you go to DevCon, which is Ethereum organized event, they bring like, last time I went was in Prague, 8,000, 9,000 developers together. No other chain in, blo- in Web3 can even come close to that. And I think that's where you can see there's no such thing of talking. That's why BitBoy said there's no such thing of talking about Web3 without talking about Ethereum because no matter any other chain, maybe Binance might be able to pull some of those numbers, but not even close to what Ethereum can pull uh, in their one event, let alone all the hackathons around the world. Now, last bull market, NFTs were very much the thing in crypto to draw a lot of people in, get a lot of young people excited about the totally. space. What do you foresee being the next thing in crypto uh, or will it continue to be NFTs? <laughs> NFT, like you, you, you said it, you, you nailed it. Like NFTs brought a lot, yeah, a lot of young people into the space. I think the gaming community just got really attracted to it. I couldn't believe how many like fourteen year olds could talk to you know talk circles around NFTs to me. Um, also, this world of like these collaborative platforms like Discord and Slack and these like communities that were never there. It's, it's honestly a trillion dollar industry that continues to grow. Um, and I think that was a big thing that bolstered a lot of these communities is people. When I started using Discord, it was very techy. Like it was you weren't going on to learn about like artwork and access and things like that. Um I actually think like you asked me kind of where the next generation users come in. I'm going to go back to one of the original things crypto is about, which is the unbanked. I think right now the world is kind of falling apart in terms of financial systems. 
And I think if Bitcoin really started when it was about helping the unbanked in the world, and I think as economies fall, they're going to look for a reserve to put money into. And I think Bitcoin is going to be the easy one to do it because I think they're not even going to be able to trust gold or you know their financial institutions. So I actually think the next billion users of crypto will be pretty much Bitcoin and Ethereum from uh, the developed, developing and underdeveloped worlds. Now, are you guys having a hackathon at this year's event? We are. We're having ETH Toronto again. So it's our second annual. Um, and we're also launching ETH Woman. So it's a woman-inclusive hackathon focused on women uh, plus the LGBTQ community uh, to bring more females into the space. We're running it with ETH, uh, with Crypto Chicks. Uh, and we're like, we love hackathons. I've been running them since the first Ethereum hackathon ever. We ran it in 2014. And I like them not just because they bring developers and the builders, but they're very much a power user community. Um, you know, when we ran the first ETH Waterloo, Crypto Chicks launched from there. I'm not crypto. Sorry, crypto kitties launch from there. It's like these like really cool projects come out of it. Our 2014, we had something called Dark Wallet come out of it. Andreas Horowitz like uh, invested in that project, so it's it's quite interesting the projects that come out, the ideas that come out. Um, and because these hackathons are, you know, ours will be four days long plus an online version. You kind of really make those meaningful connections, and I love them. I feel like I've made a lot of my friends in my hackathons, so we are running it in correlation to Futurist and the semifinals and finalists will be on the Futurist main stage. What's the outline for developers that come there? Like, what do you guys, do you guys give them some sort of instructions or how does that, how does that work? Yeah, for sure. There's two different judging cards, do two different tracks, essentially the main track that everyone competes in, uh, which is five sets of judging criteria, whether it's, um, you know, on top of my mind, it's product visibility, technical, uh, like is it the demo work, you know, overall impression, uh, idea. So we do have a set of criteria. And then the other side where actually a lot of the cash is, is the bounties. And these sponsors put up to incentivize developers to build on their products. So, you know, it really helps a lot of companies as well because they get a lot of great feedback about their product. Uh, it allows them to kind of garner um, more talent so they can potentially hire the developers. And uh, it allows to see kind of use cases with on their platform, which is cool. Like what I find a lot of things over the years has happened with events is like we give everybody a deadline. It's like the industry needs deadlines. <laughs> I'm like, okay, here's your deadline, everybody. Because like every year, two or three companies and like I'm talking major companies come and they're like, we have a new brand. Just we'll give you the logo soon or our product, we got to get like, you know, the demo up by this day or whatever it is. So it's like, it's very healthy for the industry to kind of have these events and hackathons specifically. I, you, I'm always working with all these uh, companies that are trying to get all their resources together to give these developers. Uh, so it is, it, it is interesting if you follow what goes on in events that the companies put out, especially hackathons, because it's usually all their new resources and all the new kind of technology that they're showcasing we kind of give them a deadline for that now what were your thoughts on the ftx collapse and did that affect a lot of people that were uh you know partners with you or somehow correlated with you in the event yeah definitely oh it's so sad right mm -hmm. it was interesting the whole ftx collapse like i'm very well-rounded in the crypto space um, and I was talking to, you know, actually, I won't say their name, but a PR agency that's extremely just engulfed in it. And he, and he asked me, he said, did you know, if the, you know, Sam? And I said, no, I've actually never really been in a room with him, which is unique because I've usually typically been in a room 
whether it's a private dinner or just over the last decade. And so I actually found that, you know, he he had his own circles. He wasn't in the traditional crypto circles or these VIP areas we go to. And that was always a red flag. Um, and it definitely has affected a lot. Like I ran a massive event in Bahamas, huge event called Polycom. I got to know all the local vendors there. I got to know the government quite well, even though it was a different government that it was in place now. But I got to know a lot what was going on, on the island and what they wanted to do for cryptocurrency. And I was in a lot of those conversations to say, how do we bring blockchain technology and investment to the country of Bahamas? And it's like they just FTX in, in one blow just blew the whole, you know, like that country. I don't think we'll look at crypto ever or as friendly as it ever um, so that's impacted that. There were quite a few companies in Canada uh, that were getting acquired by FTX, with, which totally fell flat. Uh, and what, you know, talking to some founders that one specific in Canada, you know, I was talking to her and she, she said, we put all everything on hold because of it. They put a lot of their product developments on hold because of it. Everything that they would have done in terms of marketing to gain more clients and compete, they put that all on hold because FTX was acquiring them, and now they're back um, starting from the from the ground. So uh, it's unfortunate. It's, it's affected everything. Um, and yeah, like I don't know how you keep bad apples like that. I, I know people are you know you hear like. Like uh, Ben Armstrong is, you know, potentially getting in trouble for doing FTX. He was on the front of Forbes, you know, Sam. Like, like I think he was kind of verified for all of us. Uh, so it's it was such a sad and it kind of makes me sick, the story. <laughs> Definitely. Now, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, want to sell their coin or their token. What are your thoughts around or what's your financial philosophic philosophy <laughs> when it comes to allocation and crypto um, and has that FTX scandal changed that at all? Like uh, like when you're creating a token, how to allocate the tokens? Is that what the question is, Marvo? No, sorry. I mean, like what percentage of your portfolio would you want to keep Ethereum? What percentage would you oh. want to keep like a Bitcoin? How much would you invest into uh, to other cryptocurrencies? Yeah. No financial advice. You know, I've seen everyone do it differently in the years. The smartest people that I've seen make the most is no matter what the price is of anything, they put a little bit in every day or every week. They don't look at the price. Uh, put in the projects that you think are builders, ultimately, um, that you can clearly see revenue from. Um, but I, I, I don't know how you would have ever... Like, it's hard when you're related to FTX because it just seemed... Like you got verified by everybody. Like, how did you get your name on a stadium? How did you like there's all these huge things that you think, you know, tons of lawyers vetted them and political. So it's hard to it's unfortunately really hard to do that. You know, Ethereum, I think is a safe bet. But ultimately, if you don't know what to do in crypto, Bitcoin is the safest bet. So that would just be my advice is make sure you're into Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Now I'm gonna try to pry a little bit on cool. this year's conference. And if you have any information on, you know, what, what kind of uh, guests you might have this year. Exciting, right? We don't, we haven't announced anyone yet. Um, I'm hoping Bitpoint will come back. I think you will. Although we haven't announced anybody just yet. So stay tuned. Um, the ones like Vitalik's and Charles from Cardano and a few other big ones, they come a little bit later on in the year. But uh, we have been brought out the biggest kind of names in crypto. And even Vitalik doesn't uh, doesn't go to Consensus or Paris or, you know, doesn't go to a lot of these events. So we're very fortunate to bring kind of the heavy hitters here in Toronto. 
Yeah, and it's awesome. It's awesome to see them there and and so close to home, right? Tracy, yeah. what do you like to do when you're not thinking about Bitcoin, blockchain, planning events? I love to travel. Uh, I love doing art. Love visual art as much as I can get it. Um, and yeah, I love I love going out and socializing. I'm a big event person. I I think COVID really put a damper on everything. So I try as hard as I can to get out with my friends and and bring people together. What's one of the best pieces of advice you've ever gotten? Oh, fate favors the bold. Just be bold in whatever you do. It doesn't matter what it is. Just be bold. And I think fate will guide you. Do you have any favorite resources, books, podcasts? Well, the Haven Report, of course. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, My favorite podcast without a doubt right now, too, other than you guys, is the All In podcast. It's incredible. They quite talk a lot, but uh, four billionaires got together and put a podcast together. So I'd recommend it. Trace, if you don't mind, just telling us where we can follow you and learn more. Awesome. Go to futuristconference.com. We're Canada's largest crypto conference. So if you're in Canada, you definitely should be there. But we have a huge international reach. So futuristconference.com. And if you're a developer, feel free to apply at ETH Toronto or uh, ETH Women. Um, It's free to apply. And we hope to see you all there in Toronto this August. Thank you so much, Tracy. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, you. Thanks for listening to the Having Report podcast. Check out our show notes below, like the episode, and share it with a friend. Be sure to go to thehavingreport.com where you can get a $30 discount on the BitFi device. BitFi is our official hardware wallet partnership of the show. Use our coupon code from our website at havingreport.com forward slash BitFi. And if you'd like to get into Bitcoin, purchase your first cryptocurrency for the first time, you can go to bitfi.ca forward slash having.